All content on this channel is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as professional financial advice. Should you need such advice, please consult a licensed financial or tax advisor. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of information on this channel. We're live. As mentioned, I want to give a shout out to Finland. <laughs> Why are we giving shout out to Finland? <laughs> Apparently that makes up a, a large swath of our listenership. True, true. It is which, the, third, uh... <laughs> the third largest audience demographic we have after the United States and Canada, of course. Yeah. But love, as, love as course. I speculated, I think YOLO might actually mean something in Finnish. <laughs> and people are getting confused because they're looking for like, I don't know, pickled fish or something like that. A, podcast. a piece of Ikea furniture? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the YOLO couch, no? Uh, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. So disappointed. Just, I don't understand what these people are talking about. But, um, this is so much worse than what I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> They're not talking about pickled fish. Right. Um, and so uh, what we're, we're talking about today is uh, Shopify. The ticker symbol is S-H-O-P. And um, I guess I'm going to start uh, uh, my this discussion by saying that I I think I wish I had looked at Shopify much earlier than today because I've heard of them like like on and off like over the years, um, but I had never actually like forced myself to sit down and like read their investor relations stuff, look at the C- what the CEO is saying, and then look at the financial reports. Um, and, you know, I think I've, I've missed out on a lot of opportunity here. And um, whether or not I'm like, we're still early to the table or early to this run, or um, if, you know, we're coming in late talking about it now, that's, that's pretty much where my head is at. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree completely. That's the same sentiment I had looking through it is, A, I never really pegged them. Like I didn't really understand their business. I can't Shopify. Okay. Like it's an e-commerce site. There's a million e-commerce sites, right? It's a website builder. It's a backend. It does some fulfillment. Like, okay. Like I've seen a million companies like that. And it's in the same space as Amazon who, you know, full disclosure, I'm a shareholder. So like, I I just was never really that interested in digging into the details. It's, this is a really well-run business, right? And, And I'm sure we'll get into that, but you know, I, I listen, I think most of what we'll probably talk about is based on this fourth quarter earnings call. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the most recent data. Yeah, um, they killed this, it. They killed, they killed it. it. They absolutely crushed it. And, yeah. and you're listening, I'm listening to these numbers and they sound like early stage growth numbers. You know, 100% here, 98% there. It's, wow, like this, yeah. this is just companies coming up. They've been around for a while. <laughs> they, they're, you know, they're, uh, they're a big, they're a big boy. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly. They own almost 10% of the market share in US e-com retail. Yeah. That's yeah, more that's than eBay. Right. It's more than Apple. It's more than Walmart, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Amazon is the, you know, the beast it, it, just under 40%. So that's, that's not insignificant, right? So these yeah. guys are pretty big, big player. Uh, and I agree with you completely. At first glance, I was like, I wish I'd seen this a year ago, two years yeah, ago. Yeah, two years I ago. Jump oh, on this. And the hilarious thing is just a personal story of mine. Um, the about I think it's about eight years ago, um, like 2013 or something like that. My wife, 
um, Michelle and her friend, Wynn, um, had this like weird quirky idea to open up like a store where, not a physical store, but an online store that sold um, accessories and stuff for bridesmaids, um, you know, like before the wedding or whatever. And, um, you know, they were trying to come up with a name for it. And then I said, I I really spent a whole weekend taking this really seriously. And um, I came up with a name before I do. Which, you know, because like it's before the wedding or whatever. and bride's great, great name, Gil. Well done. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this store went down in flames and never made any money, <laughs> but I'm proud of the name. Okay. And um, they were like, oh, great. That's a great name. We'll, we'll go with that one. And then and they said, so, you know, can you find a way to like sell our, you know, bridesmaids accessories online? So of course I spent another weekend researching and I'm like, I'm like, now I think about it, I was like doing all the work for this thing. And they're like supposed to be the, like, the, the entrepreneurs here, but I'm, I was doing all the work anyway. <clears throat> so I did another weekend of research and I, and you know what? I ended up using a Shopify store to start it up. Cause I don't know how to help to code anything. And Shopify, like at that time was like the easiest way to get online um, and start selling stuff. So I ended up creating a Shopify store for them. And then, like, turned over all the passwords and stuff to them. But- yeah, so I had I had a different a different experience earlier with mm-hmm. Shopify, which is I was looking. Uh, I don't remember the context at all, actually. To be honest, I don't remember if I was trying to start a site or trying to help someone else build a site. I, I don't remember, but um, trying to again, the difference between building a website and building an e-commerce site, right? They're very different things. And so, mm-hmm. if you have like, if you have a website. And you want to have a web store and now it becomes complicated because you're changing a pure you know art website into an e-commerce site and it doesn't necessarily have that functionality like taking payments or sending things right right um so then you you know you look at other stuff like a squarespace right that was and that was the one i looked at mm-hmm. um and i thought it was so much easier to use than shopify it's like oh my god this is such a more intuitive interface it's easier to build the website but this is where the key distinction is they're not in the website space. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's important to, to think of it more like a back office kind of solution. Yeah. It's, it's going to be every possible back office function you could want um, for any e-commerce site. That means it's really valuable and totally different than whatever website builder you might look at that could be easier to use or a little more, a little bit better of a user interface. It's, it's a different functionality. And, and the fact that they have all these different parts or components or products or whatever that fit together very seamlessly makes it much, much easier for an entrepreneur to use to build a site. And at, the, at that time, I didn't recognize that. Uh, at, at this time, I do. And I think that, you know, I will talk about COVID impact on this stock, but I think everyone else realizes that too. Yeah. So let's talk about their products and what they offer to, um, to merchants, right? Um, yeah. The way that, you know, just looking at their, um, their annual filing, um, the way that they're organized their revenue is in two buckets. One is um, subscription solutions, which are basically recurring subscriptions um, to merchants. And the other one is something called merchant solutions, which is predicated on making money through the success of merchants selling through Shopify software. Um, you know, for the subscription solutions, this is actually like um, talking about subscriptions to the Shopify platform. Um, when you set up a store, you kind of pay a monthly fee. Um, and there's also like the, all of these like other one-off fees, like um, <clears throat> um, 
you know, like buying themes from them, registering your domain name through them, um, all these things that, all these services that they provide to somebody who just wants to set up a store and then start selling. And then there's different levels, like there's different tiers of subscriptions. So there's, um, it's kind of confusing like what they have, but they, they have advanced plan, which pay, you pay a little bit more for that and you get more functional, functionality. And there's the Shopify plus plan, which gives you even more um, if you mm. pay more. Um, and basically their idea is that, you know, all the merchants will pay a monthly fee to use the Shopify software and all of the stuff that, all the goodies that come with it. Um, and their, their goal is, Shopify's goal is to help the merchants succeed because if the merchants succeed, they'll grow. And when they grow, they'll move up these tiers to um, take advantage of even more functionalities. And then the monthly recurring revenue from these merchants should theoretically um, go up over time um, if Shopify can help them succeed in their businesses. Right. Um, so the first thing I want, and again, I, we, we may have slightly different agendas. The first thing I want to do is uh, look at them compared to Amazon. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think I want to understand Yes, it's a good website. It's a great place to sell your stuff, but but why are you using Shopify when you could use you know build your store and sell in Amazon, right? Yeah. You don't you don't necessarily need to own the headache of inventory and fulfillment and taking payments and everything else, right? Um, you can kind of do most of that through Amazon site with with obviously a lot more reach. Um, and I think that's number one, and then number two, you know, Amazon just bought this sales company, uh, which you know puts them back into this e-commerce space, uh, sells a direct competitor to Shopify. Um, and so, you know, that plus, you know, I don't understand back in uh, five years ago, six years ago, Amazon had a, a web store that mm -hmm. you could basically run your own online store on Amazon's backend, uh, but right. they shut it down. Yeah. And I want to understand there's something there, right? Like why is Amazon not pursuing that side of it, right? They had the tech and the, the footprint and certainly the advantage of uh, uh, first mover or whatever, maybe not first mover, but earlier mover. Mm -hmm. uh, they could have monetized and built this out themselves. They, they shut it down, but now it seems like they're going back into it. I think there's something interesting to talk about, you know, owning your own brand, right? Like building your own site, owning your own brand, owning your own transactions versus leaning on a Amazon to help you sell uh, right. when in a crowded marketplace. So I think there's that. And then where does Shopify really differentiate? What do they have that, that does make them unique and, and gives them some advantages? Um, not just versus Amazon, but you got some big boys in the space, right? Like Adobe bought Magento. Magento would be a direct competitor. So that puts Adobe in this world. Facebook shops, um, you know, you've got, you've got this, this e-commerce space, right? Big commerce is another one. A lot of my clients use that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they're, they're all offering somewhat similar services. So, you know, like, like you've taught me over time, there, there needs to be a moat for a business like this, you know, even the best management and the best everything else, if there's no barrier to entry, someone can out innovate you. Although these guys are very innovative. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to dig into that a little bit. I don't know if you have any thoughts. I, I had two yeah. things maybe I want to cover, but yeah, so, maybe I'll give you a I give think, you the mic. I think that's getting to the 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 heart of what what is happening in here, the opportunity and also the risk with Shopify. Um, you know, a, a while back, the CEO of Shopify tweeted out um, that you know Amazon is tr trying to build an empire, and in contrast, 
um, Shopify is trying to arm the rebels. And that's a very interesting juxtaposition, right? You see this Amazon as literally mm. the evil galactic empire. And what the CEO is saying is that, you know, what Shopify is doing is they're trying to empower individual um, businesses um, to take control of their own destiny um, and uh, be able to have all the access to tools to um, control the relationship with the customer. And I think the key is controlling the relationship yeah, I, with the customer. Because, you know, Amazon yeah. will never let you, Amazon will never let you have any control or direct interaction with a customer. Like the payment has to go through Amazon. Um, the, you, you will never know like the, the, um, uh, the full email address or like the, the, the full name of the customer maybe. Right. You, you, you can't put your own branding on the box. It comes in an Amazon box. Um, mm -hmm. And then these, you can't build a recurring relationship where, you know, you send your recurring emails to promote your brand to uh, the customer, right? Like, so Amazon makes you be nameless and faceless. Shopify mm -hmm. doesn't care. Like they just say, you, here's all the tools you need and all the support you need to open a store. You could brand it any way you like. You own the relationship with the customer. And then good luck, I, we will support you and our incentives are completely in line with you. And that is the I, I go, that actually differentiates it from what Amazon can provide. 100% agree with you. Um, I think that's, and that, that plays into, I think this generation of entrepreneurs, which the, the faceless make a few bucks is so much less appealing than the establish a brand and connection to a customer. and you know, having values uh, as right. a company. I right. think that's, 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 that's a very, you know, uh, previous 15, 10 years, I, I think it wasn't as relevant as it's going to be in the next 10 years. So Shopify well positioned there for sure. I did glance an article though, and it, you just brought me, brought it up. Um, I don't remember where I saw it or what exactly it was about, but it does, it does beg the question with so much control that Amazon has in its marketplace, you don't get crazy stuff, right? You don't get people selling their children or whatever, right? You don't get, <laughs> right? Like you can, you can create a store on Shopify and sell crazy shit or do things that, that you know, would be gray area of legality. And, and I saw there was some litigation. I don't remember what I saw. I could probably dig it up real quick. But when you do enable the, the merchant in that way with that much direct connection to their customers and enabling them that much, do you think they take on a little bit more responsibility for what gets transacted through them or, or, or no? I don't think as much because if you think about the analogous, maybe, I don't, maybe I'm doing some fault of logic here, but the analogy in my mind is that when you um, have a blogging platform and then someone opens a blog through a blogging platform and then um, says you know, controversial things or maybe even illegal things, um, is, is it the responsibility of the blog platform um, for the content that's being created by these people? And I think a lot of people like, let's say Facebook have said, no, it's not our responsibility for um, what these people are saying. Maybe the society is changing in a way where yes, actually the platform like a Facebook is actually more responsible um, for that. Um, so in another kind of like legal analogy would be also like, Let's say that I use Google Maps and I used it to, you know, direct a hitman to, you know, assassinate somebody that I wanted to take taking down. And I use Google Maps as that tool. 
is Google Maps responsible for my kind of illegal actions? It's a little bit grayer. I mean, it's actually like, I don't know. Like, it, I think it's just wholly on me because I did all of those things. And <clears throat> so, you know, you can have all sorts of like, it's a continuum of like legal responsibility versus non-responsibility. I mean, I don't, I mean, Shopify might have some responsibility as a platform to make sure that the things are illegal, but maybe you could also argue that, you know, if that happens, then take down the site owner um, who's opening that store and Shopify is, you know, kind of mostly blameless in that regard. Uh, if you flip on the other yeah. side and you say, okay, well, are, are there any bad things that are happening on Amazon? There have been some controversy too about some stuff that um, is being sold through Amazon, you know, like counterfeit goods and monitoring counterfeit goods um, or even like, and Amazon actually does a good job of shutting it down, but like selling supplements that have like marketing materials yeah. that may not actually be like FDA good. So um, this gray area is in both directions, I think for that one. Yeah, I just, I, my, my thinking would be I don't, I wish I had saved that article because I can't find it now, but there was some big lawsuit they're trying to work through. Somebody selling some crazy stuff through their site, but I wonder um, what that I just wonder if, yeah, yeah I, now that I, I wish I had read that, <laughs> I just thought I was like, oh, litigation. Okay. I'll get back to that later. And then I guess I did. Yeah. Um, oh, that was one thing. And then the other thing, not that it's an apt comparison, but Shopify seems to play nicely with with a lot of different applications. Uh, and I was poking around there. They have this. They have an app store essentially. Mm -hmm. um, I was poking around, and it obviously pretty robust. I think I saw something like twenty six hundred different apps that plug into Shopify. Yeah, uh, and you know that's great. Uh, but then I looked at Big Commerce, which is probably the biggest direct competitor that I can think of. Uh, for like back office, you know, e-com, mm -hmm. they have like 600 apps. Wow. <laughs> that's I was like, well, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big differentiator, right? Yeah. Like, for, and, and that's a, that at a, at a moat level, uh, that's a big, that's a big difference. And, and I remember early days Salesforce, like if they can build up that app store, right. And they get, you know, every other company building apps on their app store, that's going to give them, that's going to make them very sticky. And, and I think aside from, all the innovation Shopify is doing to build their own new products and applications. They also have a very robust marketplace and nobody else does. Uh, I think that's a huge piece. I didn't see it in the call in the fourth quarter call. Um, but I'd love to see growth there. Just they're dwarfing everyone else. And it just means that they are, um, you know, the de facto platform. If you're going to build an application to connect into an e-commerce, uh, that's the one you're going to build it on. Uh, and I think right. that's huge. So I, I didn't notice it on the fourth quarter call. They didn't, it didn't come up, but, um, as I was digging around, that was a big one for me. And I think like that, it makes a lot of sense. That's a good point. Um, the, what they really, one of their strategies for growth is to um, foster um, a lot of a, a, a healthy, thriving ecosystem for um, app developers and theme designers um, through the Shopify API to just be able to offer things to, you know, merchants who are in the Shopify ecosystem. You know, and that 6,000 apps is a lot. It means that it's a pretty vibrant and healthy ecosystem where, you know, enough developers found that there's enough merchants and enough of a market in selling to Shopify merchants where, um, you know, you can make a living. You're just solely focused on developing apps for Shopify and developing themes and selling it to merchants who want to open a Shopify store. That's the biggest yeah. signal for a very healthy 
um, ecosystem. And the comparison against a potential competitor like big commerce with only 600, and I think they're going to try to grow it as well, um, just shows that, you know, Shopify has got a good lead. And it's one of those like self-reinforcing things where, you know, the fact that there is a healthy number of merchants draws more app developers, more app developers draws a healthier number of like merchants, and it kind of feeds back on itself. That said, I mean, Definitely. it's not, I think like uh, the, 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 that's kind of like a side effect of their main culture. I think their main culture is really this, and you know, they're a Canadian company, so I, I can't help but think they're like super nice and whatever, um, which is stereotypical for Canadians. <laughs> it might not actually be true if I actually met a real Canadian, but I don't know, whatever. So anyway, uh, like I think their, their ethos, the culture that comes through is that they just want to be helpful. And um, you can see why they would succeed with that kind of ethos when you're trying to attract all of these merchants to the platform. Um, they're not like Amazon where they want to control the um, customer relationship and then tell them, constrain the merchants in terms of what they can right. and what they can't do. Um, Shopify just says, you know, go at it. Like, and we are completely aligned with you. And we are going to help support you with everything you need. Now, I think yeah. that gets to the, the flip side here, right? Which is, what is the, the main weakness of Shopify? I think for me, and like, I think it's paradoxically their growth. Uh, what I'm saying about that is if you look at their Q4 numbers, you told me earlier, it was like fantastic. And I completely agree with you. They're like growing at hundred percent per year like doubling stuff. You want to go over the highlights? Because th these bullets I have are incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what, are, what highlights do you, do you have from there? I mean, I'll run through them real quick and I don't want to derail you because I feel like you're about to about to open up a can. Um, but yeah, they, they crushed revenue estimates, right? They were up by 64 million over their estimates. They did 977 million in revenue in Q4. That's monster, right? Yeah. Uh, they're, I guess, annual on 2020, their annual revenue uh, is up by 86%. Uh, I think a lot of that COVID, but you know, regardless, that's still a monster number. They grew their monthly recurring at 49% uh, over the last five years, which is incredible. Um, and then there, what was the other one I saw there? GMV, which is the gross merchandise volume, I believe, mm -hmm. which is just the value of products that change hands, I guess, on Shopify. Yeah. 120 billion in 2020. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> wild. Doubled that's year lot. over year from 2019. Okay. I mean, that's unbelievable, right? Uh, so, but they do have... Um, I saw their operating leverage, uh, hold on, in 2020, growing that quickly and maintaining leverage almost 39% in 2020 versus 53% in 19, despite all that ridiculous growth. So those, those are eye-popping to me. I think that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and again, just like you look at a company, this isn't, this isn't a P, you know, a pin duo duo right? That, that's just coming out and we're trying to figure out exactly who they are and, uh, you know, what they stand for and how they're going to grow. I mean, this company has been around a little while and they are established and they're a well-known brand and they are probably the, you know, they're the second largest in a space dominated by Amazon. That's, that's, those are, those are unbelievable growth numbers. And yet for the first time that we've ever covered a stock, I'm pretty sure it's uh, it's a little off its all time high. Which is nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, to, yeah, so they had a sell-off after this fourth quarter. So I'll, I'll let you finish your thought. But I think it's interesting that the reaction to a little bit of, of cautious optimism from, from the Shopify team on, on predicting 2021 uh, ran into a 7 to 10% runoff. 
which yeah. is unbelievable despite all those numbers. Yeah. So that, that's all. I just want to quickly cover some highlights, but I'll back to you, back to your yeah. line of thinking. So I, I think it was the growth that is the, I think the, the biggest thing that I have to think about. Um, they, you're right. The Q4 numbers were great. 2020 was great. They just crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. And, you know, strategically, if you're thinking about like the big picture here for Shopify, like how do they make more money? How do they grow? And the big thing in there is that you have, they, they're in a position where they really need to just in um, number one, find people who are willing to start up their own little business and then get those people aware of Shopify, convince them that Shopify amongst all the other competitors that allow you to open up a store like Squarespace and big commerce or Magento or whatever, Convince them that Shopify is probably the best route to go, right? And then facilitate the entry point where, you know, if somebody starts doing the monthly recurring revenue, starts, subscribes to like the most basic plan for Shopify, you know, starts opening a store and then gets successful. And, and the store has to last more than five minutes, but yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think about that and I ask myself, 330 million Americans, right? And currently... There's one point around it, 1.8 million merchants worldwide on the Shopify store, right? What percent of Americans ultimately are destined to become small, small business entrepreneur types who want to open an online store? But I don't ultimately know the answer to that, right? But it's got to be some minority of the population because I think not everybody is interested in opening a Shopify store. Not everybody is interested in trying to like do all of the hustle work of trying to, you know, gather inventory, do marketing, go through the whole sales process and try to make a little money. Like, I mean, I know hustle culture is like prevalent and people talk about hustling, but the true number of people who actually go out and take action versus dreaming about hustling is a, is a very small percentage, I think, of the population. And, yeah, and, and the percentage of those that are somewhat successful to, to be able to pay the fees on an ongoing basis. Right? Yep. Yep, exactly. And I don't, I couldn't find the churn numbers on Shopify store, but I'd be curious to see that. And um, I, yeah, I, I think that if, if, if you're, you're going to have, uh, you're, you're going through like a funnel that narrows very, 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 very rapidly, like, on 330 million Americans, you need the percentage of people who have a dream of opening a store, a small business store. Then you have a percentage of that, a vanishing small percentage of the people who have that dream who actually take action on that dream. And then you have a percentage of that who, who not only take action on the dream, but decide amongst all of the competitors to go with Shopify. And of that percentage, it has to be the percent who actually like survive the initial stages of business formation, go through their trial of disappointment and come out on the other side with a successful and growing business. And I think like, I just like, and then if you look at Amazon, what is their business growth predicated on? It's predicated on laziness. And that's something <laughs> I can bet on. Cause you know what, Cause <laughs> you, you know what? Like, it, it, you know, Amazon competes, let's say, against the um, in-store retailers where you have to get in your car. Oh, number one, before you get into your car, you need to take a shower. You need to make, get <laughs> put, on, dressed, put on pants, put on, put on pants, you know, put on shoes, 
and then get into your car, drive all the way to some place where they might or might not have the part that you need. Because I'm talking about, I'm thinking about Home Depot. Find the stuff, go to the checkout counter, blah, 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 get back into your car, reverse the whole procedure, and then get home. It's absolutely like I'm exhausted just thinking about that. First world problems, I know. But, but yeah. you know, like, like, and I asked myself, okay, what percentage of the American population has this bit of lazy tendency? And I would say 100%. Whereas Shopify is the completely different. This is America. <laughs> and I'm not, I, I'm not even saying that America is lazy. I extend that to everybody, everybody else. Like what percent of Europe? Oh, I was. Like this? What, percent, <laughs> what percent of like the Asians would do this? Like I, I would say, no, yeah, no. like it's a lot. It's a hundred percent. Everybody just wants you totally. To yeah, totally. I love this. I love, yeah, you're, you're stealing my thunder. This is my conclusion. So <laughs> you're, you're, you're jumping my gun, which I love because like, let's just get it out of the way. So like, this year, 2020. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're going to say. Right. Yeah, exactly. And this, and if there's any year where you're going to get every entrepreneur out of the weed work, woodwork, weeds, yeah. both, I don't know. It's, it's, it's when you're at home on lockdown for 13 months. That's true. Right? Now you're going to start your business because you have nothing else to do. Yep. Or you just got laid off and you might as well start your business or you're yep. stuck in front of your computer all day with nothing to do. Even if you're lazy, maybe you'd start that business. Yep. And they had wild growth numbers. But I think, I think the management sees what you see too, which is just like, that's not sustainable. Like they're not going to, they're not going to get that kind of store creation rate or whatever it is, uh, that much laziness, that forced laziness, right? Yeah. That's not, that's not going to be the norm. And, and yeah. to your point, like how big really is this addressable market of entrepreneurs? Cause that's really who they're targeting, right? Cause yeah. it's small and midsize. Yes. They have some enterprise offerings, but it's, you're targeting small mom and pop startup entrepreneurs looking to create their first store. Yep. maybe augment their physical store. But, you know, it, it's not, it's, it's not, it doesn't apply to everyone. And, and I'm not sure even the people that it applies to that those are going to be monetizable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the hard part, I think, with this whole thing. And, you know, you could say that maybe the trend is that there will be more and more um, internet entrepreneurs. And I can't deny that I, that I agree with that because, um, it's so much, so it's like, uh, it's facilitated by places like Shopify, where it's just so easy to open up a store, sell on Instagram, sell on Facebook marketplace through Shopify, and then have all the, like the no code website just in the back end all set up for you within like, within like a day. So I, I, I mean, it's, it's just Shopify is facilitating that trend, but at the same time, that trend is limited by, I think, just natural factors that um, mean that it can't be like a universal condition of humankind to all want to be hustle and entrepreneurs versus Amazon is predicated upon like the universal condition of mankind, which is, I think is laziness, right? And a Costco also um, is predicated on a human condition, which is, you know, you want like cheap stuff conveniently with good quality. Like, why wouldn't you want that? So you know, it's, it's kind of worth it. And Walmart too, you know, when they used to have like aggressively low prices every day, that's predicated on a human condition to want a deal. Like, you know, you want a deal, you want to, you don't want to pay for stuff. Um, and so like, I think Shopify has been successful, amazingly successful, wildly successful, despite kind of butting its head against that fundamental constraint of human nature. And you know, you might say, we might, we might sit here and say that like COVID um, increased their um, growth rates. 
and um, it's going to be a one-off thing. And that's true. The flip side to that is that COVID um, pulled forward a lot of things that would have happened anyway, but just three years of growth, four years of growth, just all at once in one year. Um, and that's, that can't ever be a bad thing for a company, right? Like even if the growth rates drop from, from here on out and they're still growing at 20 or 30% or something like that, that's not bad because you just pulled forward three years worth of subscriptions that you would have had um, starting in 2023 or 2024, but you pulled it into 2020. And now between 2020 and 2024, you're going to get the, the subscriptions that you might've had like three years later. That's always a good thing. That's not, yeah, it's not, like, bad. not bad. even if your growth rate slows, it's great that like you, all that stuff pulled forward. Um, but you're like, I'm just looking at its ultimate destiny, right? Like what, 10, 20, 15, uh, like 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now, like the, is it, is it an enduring business that is predicated on the human condition? And so that's hard. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, this is the, the end of my thinking. So you, you, the beginning of yours, that's as far as I can think. It's, it's the very beginnings of, of your thinking. Um, I, I, I do think, though, there is an element of entrepreneurship that certainly has been glamorized, at least in America. Uh, and I think probably globally, too. And, and it is part of the human condition, right? Owning your own store. Well, you know, controlling your own destiny, right? being your own boss, right? Yeah, that's, being your own boss. That's, yes, that's true. that's part of the American dream, right? And that that's part of I think to your point about human nature and and playing to trends. Like, I do think somewhere deep in in everyone is is a budding entrepreneur somewhere, right? And, and certainly more in some people than in others. But I, I think there's an element there that's appealing enough that again, a lot of people maybe would try it at some point in their lives. And if, it, if they make it that easy to do, right? Like I'm a 64 year old, recently retired, 66 year old, recently retired lawyer. Okay. Mm. And I, I love to paint. I don't know, make something up. Right. I like to design t-shirts. If it's that easy to do on Shopify, you can just create the site. They'll manage the fulfillment and warehouse and inventory. They'll manage the payments. They'll like all you have to do is literally just build it and showcase your stuff. Right. And, and maybe and, and look, they can integrate some marketing solutions in here. They have apps on there that do that, that do influencer marketing and other stuff like it might be that turnkey that like that, that element of human condition that if you make it easy enough. Yeah, there, there's going to be repeat entrepreneurs. There's going to be the guy that tries it and then 10 years later, tries another one and five years later, tries another company like it is. It is part of the human like you can condition. Open and, multiple and it's aspirational, things. which to me, when you look at elements of the human condition, I don't think people get excited about sitting at home and ordering online necessarily. I do think they get excited about their, you know, their self image as an entrepreneur, right? Like, oh, like I started a business, right? Yeah. And if they make it that easy to, to say I started a business, that does become appealing. And it is part of the human condition. And I like the positioning as an aspirational, uh, you know, uh, a, a company that helps you realize your potential. Right. And not just, you know, as a human, but also as a merchant, right? Like your, your job is to make that as seamless and easy as possible. And like you said at the beginning, everything just works. They've made it very, very easy and integrated to do all of those things. So I, on the one hand, totally agree with you. I think their addressable market is, is it's going to be hard for them to grow. And, and they did say that on the call. You know, they're, they're really focused on, uh, what do they call it? Discovering, merchant discovery, discovery of new merchants. I wrote that down. They're like, mm -hmm. 2020 was a year of discovery of new merchants. That was a highlight from the phone call. And, you know, they grew 52% from 2019 
to 457 million uh, consumers buying from Shopify merchants. That's the number. So that's up from 38% the year over year in 19. That is, and my concern is that might be the ceiling, right? Like during COVID, we've locked at home. You have the opportunity to really do this stuff and play around with your side projects and, and realize some of that aspirational self. It, that might be the ceiling, right? So how do you grow? You got to go international. You got to dig up more sellers. You got to discover, you know, more merchants, new merchants, create yeah. new merchants. You and I, I don't, I don't know. I wonder, I wonder where you run into a wall there. Yeah. And that's, that's where, where I, I'm at as well, which is that, uh, yeah, I understand the, the general trend of, you know, hustle culture. People want to start their own business, be their own boss. There's a group of dreamers. There's always going to be a group <laughs> of dreamers who want to do that. And there's going to be a percentage of them who, who actually take action on it. And of that percentage, some people will might select Shopify. And I think on balance, more people are likely to select Shopify because they have such name brand recognition. And then they have this like, whole ecosystem of developers that make it more likely that people will know about them because they do the marketing for Shopify. Um, and it's also just so easy. So, you know, on balance, I think of all the competitors, Shopify would be the first choice for someone starting up. And mm -hmm. if Shopify is good at what they do, the people, like a bunch of people will fail. I don't know what percentage of that group will fail, but a bunch will succeed. You know, it's kind of like, like a, the more, the more you get into the funnel, the more lottery tickets you have for like successful entrepreneurs to grow through Shopify, right? right? And those people will grow and they will grow and they will grow and they will grow. And um, hopefully they'll reach the higher and higher tiers of Shopify and increase the monthly recurring revenue and the take rates and whatever through, through gross merchandise volume. And like basically uh, the way I think about it also is that Shopify is like, uh, like a like a you know the 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 AAA baseball farm team where a bunch of like minor leaguers try to like try their hand and then a bunch of them succeed and move up to the major leagues right so what Shopify needs to do is recruit as many people as possible who are qualified to get into the minor leagues you know farm them basically and yeah. develop their skills and then maybe a bunch of them will get into the major leagues and then you take a percentage of the revenues you know and then they pay yeah. you very high monthly fee every time um yeah. the they have big successes there like i think one of the biggest sellers on shopify is um, a company called Allbirds, which yep. makes that shoe that's so popular um and that that amazon tried to clone ironically um did they i don't know how do you uh, what, yeah, what did they make they basically made a copy of the Allbirds and then called it some generic name and then sells it through amazon like it's just you know it looks like mostly the same, but it's not an Albert shoe. You know, it just That's looks funny. mostly like an Albert shoe. And there was like hmm. controversy there about like, oh, you know, Amazon is just copying our stuff, and then we're just gonna not sell through Amazon. And of course, the logical place for a place like Alberts to sell through would be now Shopify because they don't want Amazon to give them Amazon any money. And so, um, you know, like that's that's an example of a, like a big business there, and you know. When I think about the other part of the end game, which is, okay, you've got a bunch of people who've made it through the funnel, like customers who made it through the funnel and they got big. And they're on Shopify at the highest level tiers. And ultimately in the long run, what is to keep that business on Shopify? Because if the business can find a way at that level of you know, revenue and profit, 
to spend a fixed amount of money and transition themselves over to a different channel. The one maybe that they control or they're built themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And no longer have to pay fees, transaction fees and a cut to Shopify. Like, isn't the ultimate end game that a business would just jump over to controlling itself? That 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 itself that that kind of um, capability itself. Yeah, yeah, I wonder that how sticky this is once you reach the the once you hit that key metric, right? Which is being a very successful online store. You need, you know, they need to retain those merchants. And yeah. I don't, I didn't see any data on turnover at that yeah. level. And I don't know if you know anything. I, well, I, I haven't seen the data on that turnover, but like the only thing that I can kind of like sense that they're doing about that is, you know, if you read through their annual report, they mentioned a couple of um, big things. One is that um, they acquired um, a warehousing facility called, I think, Seven River Systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're basically using that warehousing, that automated warehousing facility so that big merchants can basically do fulfillment. Um, it's kind of like an Amazon distribution center, but, you know, run by Shopify, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could take advantage of that without ever having to, as a merchant, you could take advantage of that without ever having to have, you know, set up your own warehouse with robots or whatever, right? Yeah, Shopify does it for good. you, which is huge. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I would have to be a ginormous level of e-commerce before I would be, even begin to think about um, building my own warehouses, Right. Um, and Shopify just says, oh, you just use our warehouse. That's fine. The, the second thing that they've been doing is that, um, you know, they spend a lot of money on their um, tech infrastructure. Um, they make it so that their websites can handle um, like really, really heavy duty uh, visiting. Um, so um, the median response time for their websites um, is sub 100 millisecond. That's their benchmark. And there's a yeah. lot of Shopify websites because they handle like there's, there's 386 million unique monthly mu- visitors. Um, and then there's like, uh, like millions of, um, of browsing sessions all from mobile phones. They process 121 million orders per month. Um, and they've benchmarked their platform to be able to handle 250,000 requests per second, which is like a Christmas style volume and 15,000 orders per minute. Right. I mean, yeah. if you're, like you'd have to be like processing, you'd have to be, if you're an individual store trying to like build that kind of like underlying um, capability, you'd have to be at a huge scale before you'd even begin to think about that. So, you know, and, and I'm just trying to like answer and think about how that question, um, which is that if ultimately the risk is that these guys grow big, what you really, what Shopify really needs to do is spend money today to um, create all of these like honey traps, like the tech infrastructure, the millisecond response, the warehousing, such that it's very unlikely that the biggest guys, that most lucrative guys that they um, come up with in the farm team, like just don't have a lot more reasons to leave, right? Yeah. Delay that for as long as possible. But that requires CapEx, that requires them to like spend money to keep these guys happy. Otherwise they'll just, you know, Say, why am I paying you for anything? I could just build my own like bare bones website and then sell through that. And then, you know, like even the payment processing stuff for Shopify happens through um, Stripe. So right. Shopify kind of layers on top of the Stripe backend thing. 
Um, and Shopify has got to pay fees to Stripe. Stripe makes a lot of money from Shopify. So, yeah. um, and, and you mentioned it at the beginning too. I mean, they're investing in Shopify plus, right? That's the enterprise level capabilities for these brands. Yeah. That's specifically targeting this upper end of their funnel, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. So they've got, you know, two prong problem. One is continuing to grow the number of entrepreneurs you can bring onto this platform and two, retaining them once they're no longer startup entrepreneurs and they're kind of big running businesses. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's tough. You're going to be bleeding from both ends. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, if it's, if you're an entrepreneur thinking about starting up a place, you really have to think about like what you want, because if I open up a store in Amazon, I don't have control with the, of my relationship with the customer. I don't have a lot of control about my branding and Amazon just owns the whole relationship, but Amazon is one of the most heavily trafficked sites in the entire world. There's a constant stream of people always going on the site and they have a recommendation engine. It's not super hard for me to just have goods listed on Amazon and find buyers for it because there's always so many people on there. It's like, it's like a primo real estate location if I were trying to you know, make the, mm-hmm. a, a real world analogy there. Yeah. On Shopify, I get full control of my brand. I get full control of my relationship with the customer. I get this really awesome backend tool to handle everything that I need. But like the first day I open a store, crickets. Cause like literally no one is visiting my site because nobody knows about me. <laughs> right. So I got all these tools, I'm ready to go. But unless I've got like the magical ability to hustle my way into marketing and I know how to get myself through the door, my foot through the door on like Facebook ads or Instagram ads, or I'm like super savvy like that. Or I even, let's say I'm Kylie Jenner and like, uh, you know, millions of people already follow me on Instagram. It's not that hard for me to like market at that point. Right. Right. But I'm talking about like the small guy, like my wife who just, you know, not, you know, she's just opening like this random store called Before I Do. Day one, how many people are visiting? Zero. It's a great name. It's a great name, man. <laughs> and I, you know, so I think about that challenge, right? And you face these two roads. One where, um, you know, you have full control, but no marketing support. Um, and you got to do it on your own. And then the other road is you've got no control with Amazon. And, but you're entering into like one of the most heavily trafficked sites in the world where there's already marketing there for you. All you got to do is get it ready. And that's hard. Like even like, I don't know what I would choose. And it kind of all depends on what, what you want and what your strategy is. So um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with the the Shopify strategy there. Yeah. And I'm with you. Um, I I think you hit the two, the two main holdups for me. One is uh, the growth potential. Right. And, and literally these are the last two bullets in my whole thing, right? Growth potential, right? Well, how, how, how are you going to continue to expand the funnel of entrepreneurs, which is not infinite. Um, and to your point on human nature as a, that'll, that'll take you so far. It doesn't mean they're going to be successful or they have the grit to actually scale and build these businesses. You might go on the platform and then you go out of the platform. Right. Uh, and then you have, you know, what's the moat here? What's the barrier to entry for competition? But that also applies to the bigger businesses. Once they are successful, what's the barrier to leaving? What's the stickiness? How are you keeping these guys? Because 
they can continue to own their customer relationship by running their own e-commerce site at that point, or you hire out the staff and you build it, right? And, and maybe, you know, maybe there's some, some roadblocks there. It's not necessarily easy to do, but, you know, like, like any other company that leans on a service up to a certain point, like maybe better to take it in-house at that, at that stage. Um, and yeah, I think those two factors, uh, again, had we looked at this two years ago to, you know, two and a half years ago, they wouldn't have been so, I wouldn't have been so scared because there's, you know, there's so much more room to grow here. When you're looking at, I think their, 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 their PE ratio is like 500 or forward Don't PE is like 256. It's scary. <laughs> it's just, it's nuts, man. Meanwhile, it's nuts. Well, I'm, I, I, I'm uh, like the full disclosure. I'm invested in Tesla and uh, that has a 1000 PE ratio. So I, <laughs> I call this 400, whatever PE, 500 PE ratio and Shopify scary. Meanwhile, I'm, I got money in another stock that's a thousand PE. So. Uh, a little hypocritical. Yeah, Tesla's Tesla's in its own category, man. Uh, that's uh, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, yeah. But just looking at the price of this stock and and the room to grow and how did you do any kind of DCF on this by chance? No. Did you try no, to get I, up, come I up did. with a valuation? I did. I played around. I have a, a model. It's not perfect, and it's certainly not great for these high growth companies. Mm-hmm. But you know, I came up with a reasonable number. It felt like maybe like I think I came up with like nineteen hundred dollars a share, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then and I then- looked up a couple others. What, what kind of assumptions were in that ECF? Yeah, it, for me, it's a it's a spreadsheet. I have a pretty standard. You know, you, you put in your your cash on hand. Also, they have like I don't know how much money they came up with for the after their IPO. It's six point four billion cash on hand. Does that sound right to you? Uh, right. Yeah, no, they have uh, about um, yeah. I think they have that that much. Um, That's a lot. So, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a way for them to grow through acquisition or to expand out into other stuff. International is also a big one. You know, I wrote down a few bullets after listening to the call, right? Mm-hmm. I have like some quotes that I thought were interesting. I think we covered most of those, which is really focused on the entrepreneur. It's like, you know, we're, we're expecting to, we want to create a frictionless path to successful entrepreneurship. You know, 2020 triggered more entrepreneurs around the world to start their journey to economic independence, right? They're tying into these themes of human nature, aspirational goals that I thought mm-hmm. was interesting. Um, and then from a highlight standpoint, you know, they're doing smart things. These are things, I, you know, if I was a consultant to Shopify, these are things I would suggest, right? They extended this 14 day trial, free trial to now it's 90 days. Right, I have three months of free service, right? Like, yeah, I'll try that. You're yeah. you're gonna goose your numbers with that. Yeah, uh, they added a point of sale system, which you know, similar to Square, which we covered. Yep, that's, um, that's that, getting that, into that, Square territory there. Yeah, yeah, which I don't like now because I'm a Square I, shareholder yeah. as of a month ago. <laughs> um, but but I I think it does show that they need to expand and find ways to expand, and it's pushing them into brick and mortar to do more omnichannel stuff because it is an infinite website creation. You need to be able to cover more bases. Um, And so it, 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 again, it it extends them a little bit more. Um, I think there's an international focus, right? They launched this uh, Alipay from Alibaba, um, Mm -hmm. which lets them take payments from overseas. That's interesting. Yeah. And they added this like market right now, like the Asian. Yeah. And I can't imagine it will be forever. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's just such a huge market. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs there too. Um, And, you know, they, they, uh, they said something about, um, I forgot where the company, where sales is based. Was it Australia as like a key market for them? I don't remember, but you know, there was, there was some comments about that. 
And then this installment payment, shop pay installments is an interesting feature they enabled so that you can give your customers a little bit more flexibility in how yeah, they like pay. The, the buy now, pay later. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, those are smart yeah. innovations. Uh, yeah. And I think they're trying to address exactly the two things that you and I are talking about. Yeah. How do they grow? How do they build their user base? And how do they retain their better merchants? Yeah. Uh, and so you know, they, they go through some of the investments they're in. I think international was a key one, right? Uh, they're doing, you know, they're trying to localize it in non-English speaking countries. That's great. Uh, they're adding new features to make it easier, you know, culturally, I think, to use in other regions. I mean, these are all smart ideas, but it, it just means that they're recognizing some of the same limitations that that we're talking about here. And, and I think that that's probably why you had that sell-off is the management kind of admitted even in a, in a, in a banner quarter in a banner year and, and just even still optimistic, it's not like they're not going to grow. It's just relatively slower than they did in 2020. Just that admission is kind of saying like, we don't have infinite capacity to double every single year. Like that's just not going to happen with this business. Right. That, you know, that, that, I wouldn't mind if it was trading at 10 times earnings, right? But when you're, oh, you're yeah. trading, yeah, you know, it's a big difference when you're paying a huge premium expecting this kind of growth. So I, I don't know. The, the valuation scares me. The, the, I looked at a couple other, I tried to find some other DCF. There's like a, a couple analyst firms that'll share their DCF models. And, you know, they, they range pretty wildly. It depends again on the assumptions. But, you know, it just, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of room here, right? Like you could get in and you could ride it for a little bit. But I do feel like we missed, we kind of missed the key run up over the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, the, um, if we go into, so I think that's probably a good point to just take a look at their financials, right? Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually in the full year, um, uh, the, the income statement for them that, you know, for their, um, the, like their version of like the, uh, the 10K basically. And, um, if I'm just go going through the numbers in my mind and I'm just walking through rough things, right? For the full year 2020, their revenues were roughly $3 billion. Okay, $3 billion. Um, the gross profit was fantastic. Its gross profit was around $1.5 billion. So that means they get a 50% gross margin on the business, which is a very strong gross margin. I mean, this thing prints money. Now, so you get the, the, the top line is three billion. Um, gross profit is half of that, which is one point five billion. Fantastic. They've got some expenses, you know, that you gotta back out against the gross profit. So, at, you know, they've got one point five billion of gross profit to play with. They're basically spending one point four billion. So that that like that little tiny difference between one point five billion and one point four billion becomes their income. It's like roughly like a hundred million. If you look at the actual statement, it's like 90 million. So I'm just calling call it, they're, 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 they're keeping a hundred million of net income. And you might think, okay, that's not very big, like a hundred million for like something that is like so mind bogglingly um, amazing. They're making a hundred million of profit from a full year. And actually the interesting thing is last year before the full year ended in 2019, um, they had 141 million loss. So they're swinging from loss to profit in the 2019 to 2020 year. And to me, that's very interesting because I know in 2020, we pulled forward maybe three, four years worth of growth 
all in one shot. And then they just basically like, it's like they, they took a testosterone shot and they bulked mm-hmm. up like massively in 2020. And that's what swung them from a loss of 140 million to a profit of 100 million. And, um, you know, they always had very, very good gross margins. So if I look at their 2019 gross margins, it's roughly around 15, uh, 50% because in 2019, they had 1.5 billion in revenues. And then um, they only kept about 860 million. So about half of that um, in gross profit. And they spent a billion dollars on all of these other expenses. And so that's why um, if you take the gross profit of 800 something million, and then you subtract a billion dollars of expenses, that's why they have, they've lost 140, 150 million that year. And then mm-hmm. this year they doubled the revenues. They went from like 1.5 billion revenues in 2019 to 3 billion of revenues in 2020, which is a doubling of the revenues, but, and then therefore roughly a doubling of their gross profit but their other expenses only grew 50%. So if you grow your, if you double your revenues, but you only, you know, grow your expenses 50%, that's got to have that operating leverage to like swing you from a loss to a profit. And it took a crazy thing like COVID to, you know, pull forward all of these things and then get them to a, a profit much earlier than they would. If it hadn't been for COVID, I think they wouldn't have been profitable in 2020. They would have been profitable. Yeah, they would have been profitable maybe by 2023, I think, like if they pulled forward three years worth of growth. I told Um, you we talk about margins again. I told you. (laughs) Now, I mean, part of this is um, like like the the issue again with Amazon, you know, in its early growth phase, which is that um, Amazon always looked like it was an unprofitable company um, because it was... Uh, it had very high expenses, but those high expenses were discretionary in the sense that they were choosing to spend a lot of money on growth, um, growth right. of infrastructure, growth in innovating their, their products um, and their offerings, um, and then um, you know, growth in their ability to service customers and then market to them. And you know, those things are discretionary. They're choosing to do that because they want the top line growth to be as high as possible, which means that they're willing to forego expenses, uh, showing a profit today because they're expend, um, spending heavily in growth for the future. And then, you know, by the way, if you invest today, 10 years from now, you're gonna be really rich, like that kind of situation. Right. Shopify actually, like these expenses, you know, 1 billion um, in 2019 and then growing to 1.5 billion of expenses in 2020. Uh, I'm suspecting that a lot of it is discretionary. Like uh, if I break down those expenses in 2020 of 1.5 billion, 600 million in sales and marketing, which you need to in order to attract more merchants and build the brand, half a billion dollars, 500 million um, in R&D. And there's just kind of like the general cost of general administrative, 245 million. Um, I would think that the sales and marketing and research and development, which add up to $1.1 billion. I think a lot of that would be discretionary. Like if you do, they could probably stop advertising and then they could stop trying to create new products and then run it steady state. And then they would have an extra $1 billion in their income from operations, as opposed to just showing a hundred million dollars. Right. So in my mind, I think I'm thinking they're earning like $1.1 billion. Meanwhile, the net income statement says, says something around like $100 million. But I think it's just in my mind because they're choosing to spend so much on growth and innovation. 
And, um, you know, but if I look at their market cap, um, their market cap is $150 billion. And uh, even if I'm like, if I'm running with my adjusted numbers on their income, and instead of like looking at the 90 million that they made in 2020, and I'm thinking it's, um, you know, 1.1 billion, um, that means that they're still trading at um, 100 times my um, generously adjusted steady <laughs> non-expenses yeah. type situation, right? Um, if they double, let's say that, uh, you know, I, I don't know how long it'll take for them to double again. It probably won't be in one year, as you stated. Um, it might take, what, two, three years? Um, two, three years from now, if they double, um, they might end up getting to, let's say, $2 billion in my adjusted version maybe 2.5 billion if I give them some operating or leverage. And, you know, 2.5 billion in divided into 150 billion market cap is still a 60 multiple on my like very adjusted, uh, uh, very generously adjusted um, income. And, you know, if I double that again, which might take three or four more years, then I could get to maybe a, a more reasonable sounding like 30 multiple, right? On my adjusted thing. If let's say they're doubling every three years, it might take six years for them um, to get to the point where um, things look like reasonable, right? And I like, could I be wrong? And then that this thing could grow a lot faster than I think. So if I'm, I'm thinking about like them doubling every three years, what if they're actually doubling every two years or one and a half years, right? Um, and then they could get to like a 30 multiple in let's say four years as opposed to let's say six years would would that change anything for me like maybe i mean i think if there's faster growth than anticipated that i'm i'm projecting in my mind right now um that would always be a plus right and um the only like counterweight to that would be like like any new growth would have to just come from finding more people who are willing to become entrepreneurs and there's some sort of like base rate of like that type of percentage, which was maybe, you know, artificially inflated, like or naturally inflated by, by COVID. Um, and, you know, uh, th- that might be less in future years, although there's going to be always some basal rate of, of people who want to be entrepreneurs, especially with like the whole hustle trend and, you know, wanting to be your own boss type situation. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's, you know, if you know, I really had to think about this. I think the closest thing to this would be, um, like in my mind, like the way Microsoft was in, in, in 1999. It's a good company, really good company, growing fast. But it might have gotten like the market price might have gotten ahead of where where it is right now. Um, and I just kind of feel like there might be. Um, if it continues growing even at good rates, let's say 20 or 30 percent. Um, it, it, it might need to, the share price might need to pause for a little bit. I'm not saying it's going to crash. Uh, it might need to pause a little bit to grow into the valuation that um, um, makes sense for it, right? Because it's projecting a lot in the future. And then if it continues to grow beyond that valuation, then it'll push the valuation up higher. And that all might take like, let's say six years to play out before we understand what's going to happen to it. So I didn't do a DCF, but I kind of ran through like the way the the numbers would work. 
and like the feel for, for where it's trading um, to, to, to get a sense for like what it might do. In the yeah. I mean, I, don't, I might be completely wrong or off about it, but that's just like my personal feeling about this thing. I thought that was exceptionally generous. And it also discounts all of the macroeconomic stuff going on right now, which uh, maybe that's a whole other podcast, right? Like <laughs> stimulus money, inflation, everything else, right? Um, but I, I think if, if you can't get to something that's compelling with the assumptions you just plugged in, that scares me. Right. Um, and not about the company as a whole. Right. If you're looking 15 years down the line or whatever, like this is a well-run business and, and I'd be happy to own it. But if you're looking right. at a, you know, it, it's certainly not on sale and, and you're, you're paying a pretty big premium to get into this business. It is. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. That, that does scare me a little bit. Yeah. Um, OK, so <laughs> I guess moving into the last part of this thing, uh, how do you feel about buying it? <laughs> <laughs> you want to buy? You want to buy? Um, yeah, I, this? <laughs> I uh, you know, I, I think this is similar to Airbnb a little bit in that it's it's a company that's well run, and I I I I want to own it. I just don't want to own it at this price. Uh, and the difference in um the difference in Airbnb for me was there's still a lot of run up there. And even if it does take a little while, uh, I just think they had such a, you know, such a dominant position and, and infinite market share on a, on a macro trend that I really like. Uh, it just, it was a little bit more compelling. We're here, like, I have no problem just waiting. All right, let's just wait. Let's see what happens, right? Maybe the market tanks, maybe, uh, you know, maybe there's, there's other stuff that happens. Competitors creep in. Amazon really builds this out and has a back end, lets you build your own storefront and own a little bit more of that branding. And to your point, you know, if I'm going to pick a horse in this race, uh, it is certainly Amazon. I'm, I, I did disclose at the beginning. I, I'm an existing shareholder and have been for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they would win that, uh, you know, nine times out of 10. So you know, that, that, that's kind of where my thinking is. It's just, it's a little pricey for what it is. Uh, if it went on sale, right. If we do have another runoff or a bigger runoff, I'll definitely keep an eye on it. Uh, I do love the business. I let the management team, they're very innovative. They're clearly picking up on the key trends that I'd want to see them addressing and focused on. So I love the company. I just don't love the price. And for those reasons, I'm yeah. out. I, I agree with you. I, I, you know, this analysis just let forced me to finally sit down and really take a hard look at this business. And there's a lot to like, there's a lot to like. The CEO, Toby Lutke has done a fantastic Amazing. job, really great. And, you know, they managed to find, I think one of the, like this, like this tiny gap, like, you know, in football, you, some like running back finds a tiny gap, like a tiny opening and just punches right through, gets to the end zone, right? Yeah. Toby Lutke found the tiny gap, like the so-called quote unquote chink in the armor of Amazon. And it's the one space where like they could find this distinctive niche and grow. And, you know, Amazon's pissed off that they're growing. But like Amazon, I think is their ethos, their entire strategy, everything that makes them successful is also everything that makes them un- unsuccessful in this one niche that Shopify is growing in. So in retrospect, it's, it is inevitable that somebody would have found that one chink in their armor, right? And just become the anti-Amazon. 
How big is that market? Definitely not as big as what Amazon's market is. It'll never be as big. It'll, it'll be always a fraction of what Amazon is. But it yeah. kind of is like this just like one little gap. You know, it's like this blind spot that naturally has to happen because of the way Amazon is structurally positioned um, that has made su Amazon successful, but of course creates this like one tiny little blind spot and Shopify is growing right in that blind spot. Why, why is it? Can I? Why is it that we 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 both liked Pinduo Duo so much more um, than, than this? Right? They're also eating the same pie, and in that case, it's it's a different region and different competitor, but it's the same kind of idea. Same, is, you know. But I think that um, uh, the way I think about Pinduo Duo is their 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 total total addressable market is. Um, way larger even if they stay in China. Like they are basically trying to be the Walmart slash Amazon of China with like a low price strategy um, and you know hooking consumers to like be addicted to using your app and shop uh, like shopping all the time through the app. That's a massive market. And if you were able to con change consumer habits and get in their minds, like the way let's say um, Coca-Cola is always in everybody's mind, right? Like, um, that's big. And, you know, part of human nature is always want, is always about to number one, getting the best deal. And number two, kind of like, you know, um, the, the fact that when somebody refer, you know, um, you know, refers you a deal, you trust them. Um, and Pinduoduo kind of like cleverly, uh, uh, harps on, on those types of things, which are part of the human condition. And I, as a result, I think their ultimate market sh markets are, are, are huge. Like they're massive, right? Like well, the end game in there is, is to the moon. Um, yeah. <laughs> or as for like Shopify, yes, like they can um, arm the rebels. They can enable all of these shopkeepers to create stores and small businesses and tools and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, how the question ultimately is, is everybody going to be a shopkeeper? Is everybody, is every single American going to be a shopkeeper? Right? right? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think all 330 million Americans could become shopkeepers. But I think you could argue on the other hand that all 330 million Americans love a good deal, like, or at least a very large <laughs> yeah. percentage. They do of them. love ever. They do love a good deal. That, that's a actually large well percentage yeah. of them like, like a good deal. And you know, I, I, like, it's hard for me to find someone who says, no, I hate good deals. <laughs> Whereas right. it's, it's easier for me to find somebody who says, no, I don't want, I have a good paying job. I don't want to go through all the trouble of like opening mm -hmm. up a store. Like, I just, I don't need that in my life. It's not part of what I want to do. It's easier for you to say that. Right. Yep. Um, so I think that's the, <clears throat> why you're asking like, why I was like jumping all over Pondwojo. I mean, well, I'm like, I'm like a little worried about Shopify. I think that's that's the reason. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's valid. Valid. I think this is uh, nice in that we're on the same page, uh, although very a less interesting podcast in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I I will keep this in my watch list. I mean, they're either like it follows the Microsoft path, which was uh, mm -hmm. massively overvalued, and then uh, eight years later, it's finally caught up to the value, and then you jump in and um, if it continues growing, you'll make a lot of money. Um, so like in, you know, if you had jumped, like it, it would have been a bad idea to buy a Microsoft in 1999, cause then you would have, you'd have sucked it up for the flat to negative 
return all the way up to like, let's say 2008, 2010. But if you jumped in at 2010 to 2020, that's a different story. You've made a lot of money jumping in in Microsoft after that inflection point. Shopify might be like at that situation too, where it's gotten ahead of itself as in the market price has. And uh, it just needs to continue executing, um, get to that inflection point past where like the price just becomes absolutely ridiculous for what it's doing. And then that probably would be like a good jumping point to like to get in there and make a lot of money, assuming that it continues to grow. Because of course- What's a loose target price for you? Just curious. Uh, I mean, I'd be fine with the current price to the 1200 price um, mm-hmm. as, uh, because that represents a 150 billion market cap. But I need the business to try to catch up to it a little bit better. Like, so um, I'm looking to see, let's say two doubles. So if it's, if it's got revenue at um, 3 billion right now, I'd like to see six, 12, 12 billion of revenue, which means that it's gonna have at 50% gross margins, uh, roughly about 6 billion in gross margins. And if they have 2, um, two billion of, um, I'm increasing their other costs. So 2 billion of costs, six minus two is four. So like 4 billion of rough like net income. And then if you keep that at the 150 market cap, like 150 divided by four, what is it? 150 divided by four gives me um, 37.5. That's getting into the strike zone there. Like I, I would, I would like even if it stays flat, but like increases those those numbers to to that mm-hmm. level where they're getting four billion in net income, that would be really interesting. With the assumption that they, like at that point in time, you look in the future and you think they're still growing. And I feel confident in that assessment that they're still growing, right? Like I wouldn't want to pay 37.5 multiple um, on 4 billion if I felt like they were flat. Like if they're going to be flat, I would want um, a lower multiple than that, like a 15 multiple or something like that. So um so yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy buying at this price, but I just need the, the, the financials to, to, to catch up. Um, conversely, con- like conversely, if I can get a 37.5 multiple, then um, the stock price would have to be, what is it? 37.5 on 1 billion um, times the, oh God, oh God. <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I wanna, live math. I want to buy, I'd want to buy at a 300 billion uh, uh, sorry, not a three hundred billion. I'd want to buy at three hundred dollars today <laughs> if I wanted to get a good deal. But the stock price is at twelve hundred dollars, so nobody's going to be ha- like I, I'm unlikely to get that at this point. I'm more likely to um, wait six years, see them double twice in terms of their financials, and then maybe be able to buy in, hopefully at the same price, like twelve hundred. But if the stock keeps running from here, then I've done something wrong in my analysis and I've missed out on making money. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting as, used to that always, feeling, by the way. As, as always, as always, it's, it's, it's very easy to, ease, to miss out on making money. But yeah, that's where I'm I at. also, to, to that point, uh, I feel like we owe an apology to one of our listeners who submitted that we should review GME. How long ago? <laughs> Uh, two months ago? Like two months ago, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I completely missed it. It was on the Google form. And um, I, 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 I realized um, only very recently that that had been, re- that review had been requested. Um, 
And like that, that, that request was like submitted before the massive run up. So <laughs> that would have been such a great pod. And I, I want to apologize. Maybe it's one of our, uh, one of our buddies in Finland who's yeah, got all yeah. these great ideas. Maybe, but uh maybe. yeah that's that uh, yeah. we'll we'll do a better job of checking the web form feel free to submit suggestions uh we love looking at stocks stocks yeah. So yeah, yeah all right well that's a that's a wrap for today um you know have a good night you always a pleasure you are uh, a scholar and a gentleman <laughs> you as well you as well all right, all right. good night buddy good night.